Luke chapter 2 and verse number 22, it says, And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem (coughs) to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus for, uh, to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is, child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. We're going to speak today on the topic, Lessons on Waiting for Christmas. Here we have a man, it says that he was old, Okay, he was an old man, um, and he was waiting for Jesus. And we're going to talk about waiting for Christmas. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd bless this message today. Please help us, help us to learn the lessons of waiting and waiting on you. The Lord, help us to get inside the scripture, and I pray the scripture would get inside of us and change us and help us strengthen our faith. Lord, I know that many in this room are hoping for you to do something in their lives. They're waiting for you. Lord, we we all are striving to live by faith. And I pray that you would strengthen that faith today as we look into your word. Bless those who also listen to this recording later on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Waiting. Waiting for Christmas. When I think of waiting, I think of the kids as they see the Christmas tree go up and they see me and, um, that's not working, the recording. 
as uh, as they see us bring in gifts in the bags, we go out. I'm going to wait for this to. I don't know what's happening. Can you just go away? Yeah. <laughs> Signal or was it Wi-Fi? Oh, they just wanted me to create something that I didn't do in the past. Right now we're waiting. Mm-hmm. Amen. We're waiting on Miss April. <laughs> and the app. Yeah. <laughs> what app do you use for that? It's called Switcher. Oh. Okay. Take two. Beautiful. Okay, so as we uh, bring in secret packages into the house, right, the excitement, the kids just get more and more excited about Christmas. And uh, someone even gave us one of those advent calendar things where uh, you count down the days, the 25 days in December until Christmas. I remember when I was a kid, our grandparents would mail us a, uh, it was like a large Christmas card. And it had these little doors that you would open up on the card and like a little message inside or something like that. And, uh, and so each day you count down and you know, when you're going to have your Christmas presents, you're waiting for the 25th of December. The other day we were asking the kids as we sat around for dinner, what is your favorite part of Christmas? And I think Savannah said, waking daddy up on Christmas morning is that's one of their favorite things. And of course they always try to get up as early as possible. And it's the one time that they can come and shake and, and, uh, and they're pretty violent with, uh, (laughs) with trying to shake me awake. Right. Um, and so we think about even the Christmas story, right? Waiting for Jesus to be born. The Jewish people had been waiting for hundreds of years for this moment. Right. Um, and waiting for all of these details, waiting for the right moment. They didn't know exactly when it was going to happen. They had a, a pretty good idea, uh, kind of. But then here's a really unique story in the Bible where the Holy Spirit reveals to one person in this special way, this man named Simeon, who was devout. He was devoted to the Lord. He was just, meaning he was justified. Okay, He was... Um, cleansed of his sin. Um, And the Holy Ghost revealed unto him in verse number 26 that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, this is for several reasons, but one of which was um, that this was another one of those signs, another one of those ways that God confirmed to the population, and to mankind that this, in truth, was his son, Jesus Christ. Um, The story of Simeon teaches us about the nature of waiting. Waiting on God is a lifestyle. Let's look at a couple of verses in the Old Testament. Let's look at Psalm 27. Psalm 27 is about waiting on the Lord. We're only going to read the last two verses, Psalm 27, 13 and 14. Psalm 27 and verse 13. It said, I had fainted 
unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, wait on the Lord. Man, how many Christians, how many believers have taken uh, courage and been encouraged by reading verse number 14? What a great verse. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. It means that we are to trust in the Lord. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? It doesn't just mean to just sit. It means more than just to be patient. Okay? When we're waiting on the Lord, it means that we are actively trusting and obeying and we are expecting God to bless us. We're expecting God to be active in our life. Waiting on the waiting on the Lord changes Christianity from a religion to a relationship. It means that I am living my life in such a way in faith and in trust in God that I am expecting God. It's not just sitting in your house. It's sitting in your house and looking on your device and realizing that the mail truck is supposed to be coming with that item you've been waiting for. How many of you have ordered something online and we've looked at the, at our, uh, the tracking information and it says it's in the distribution, it's on the truck, it's going to be delivered and help us if it even gives you an approximate time where it says approximately at four o'clock. What are you doing? You're not just sitting and waiting. You're not just sitting and waiting in mystery. No, you have information. You're expecting, right? So when we look at the word wait in the Bible, waiting on the Lord, we need to think we're expecting. We're expecting God to do something here, okay? Um, and so that's what this verse, let's, let's, let's read verse number 13 and 14 once again, thinking about this, when we're thinking about expecting God. It means we're going to have hope. We have hope, <laughs> right? It says, I had fainted. You know, what, you know what happens when we wait on the Lord and we expect God, when we come to the truth with that hope? It saves us from fainting. It saves us from failing in our faith. It saves us from discarding our faith. Uh, let's use an illustration of what happened last Sunday. There were times... Lots of times when we thought, this is not going to work. We've mailed out all these invitations. People are canceling. It's cold. Nothing's going to happen. Nobody's going to come. As Ms. Sonia said, we've tried to have events in the past. We've done mail outs before. And we've not gotten a lot of response. But there is that hope. There is that small, tiny hope an expectation that God's going to do something, right? So when we talk about waiting on the Lord, it saves us from discarding our faith. It saves us from fainting. 
He said, I'd have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What keeps us from from discarding our faith, from saying, forget it. I'm going to stop praying. I'm just going to go about fixing my problems the way the world fixes their problems. I'm going to get another credit card instead of praying about this. Does that fix our problems? No, it generally makes it much worse. Get more in trouble. Oh, how about this? I'm going to borrow money from somebody that is a little bit scary. How about that? I'm going to find a scary person that says, hey, you could borrow money from me. Hmm? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what, about, uh, what about the way the world says to fix a relationship problem? What does the world say to fix a relationship problem? It doesn't say act Christ-like. Generally, the world says, be selfish. Put yourself first. Stop caring about them. Right? Divorce. You're worth it. Divorce. Divorce. Right? You're worth it. I don't know what keeps on. Oh, it's the guitar. You hear that? I didn't. Every time I speak, I it's just kind of wow. Wow. Right? <laughs> so the world has their, has, has their methods and their ways of doing things. Right? Satisfy the flesh. It, faith is unnecessary in the, in the world's way of doing things. But when we wait on the Lord, we are living in a way, we're trusting God, and we are expecting him to do something in our life. And it says in verse 14, once again, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say in the Lord. Waiting on the Lord means that we have strength inside. That's where we fail. We fail inside before we ever fail on the outside. Oh, pastor, I just couldn't. Oh, pastor, I just can't. Oh, Lord, I know I should, but... Well, here's the thing, is that waiting on the Lord renews our courage. Let's look at another famous verse. Um, There's so many. If you look up... In your Bible app, don't do it now. But if you look up wait, the word wait, there's so many wonderful verses that talk about waiting on the Lord. Isaiah 40 is another one. I love this one. We love this one. So many wonderful uh, pictures that you can buy that have this eagle, right, floating. And it's got this verse on there. And it's really wonderful. Um. It says in verse number 30, it says, Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Mm -hmm. So we need to understand that waiting on the Lord is a lifestyle, but waiting on the Lord also is how we maintain our strength to act like a Christian, to respond like a Christian, to have the courage to say and do what a Christian should say and do. Does it come from education? Not so much as from waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. It says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk 
and not faint. Oh, pastor, what's going to happen this next year with all the COVID? You know, Israel's already decided to do a fourth booster shot. Or I guess it's first it dose, second dose, third booster, fourth, fourth, fourth booster. Fourth booster, yes. They're doing it what are we going to do about that? What are we going to do with this? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen with the schools? What's, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to wait on the Lord. Yeah, but what's going to happen? I don't know, but we're going to wait on the Lord. Whatever is going to happen, he can give us courage. Whatever is going to happen, he can give us strength. Whatever is going to happen, we're not going to faint. You say, well, pastor, I can't do that. Exactly. We can't do that. But God can help us. He can help us have the strength and the courage and the faith that we need. It is such an important decision when we realize in our Christian life that we are not required to always be strong. God is the almighty, not us. He's the almighty one. He's the one that needs nothing to exist. When we get saved, we do not become that. We get access to that. Mm -hmm. We now have access to the Almighty. And he says, when we wait on him, when we come and we expect, and we, and, and we come to him and we come to his word, then we have access to this incredible strength. We may be looking at challenges in the future, And we may be thinking, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Thankfully, you don't have to know how. Pastor, how are we going to to build Sparrow Baptist Church in the city? How's it going to work? I don't know. Thankfully, I don't have to know. All I have to know is I have to know the Lord. I have to maintain the, the relationship with the Lord. And he will provide the strength. He'll provide the wisdom that we need in going forward. So many verses we could look at. We're going to look at Simeon real quick. And we're just going to look at three quick things from Simeon's life. Back to Luke chapter 2. Simeon waited to see Jesus. He was waiting. Let's look at verse 25 once again. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Simeon waited for the right thing. What was he waiting for? It says, waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the comfort of Israel. What was the comfort? Well, it wasn't a what, it was a who. The Messiah. It was the Messiah. He's waiting for the Messiah. And it says in verse 26, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost, that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon waited for the right thing. Luke 16 and verse 13 says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other, ye cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is the word for like riches. Okay, Simeon waited for the right thing. I cannot expect God to give me something that he disagrees with. I cannot expect God to give me a pleasure 
or a degree of success or a something that I want that he does not want. Okay, How do we know if it is something that God wants for us? Well, it's going to agree with its wor- his word. It's going to come from his word. And um, it is going to come in the pathway of obedience. It says here that, si- that Simeon was just and devout. If we're going to wait for the right thing, it's going to be because we're already doing the things we know God wants us to do. He's not, Simeon was not walking in disobedience and then all of a sudden God gave him this incredible blessing. He was walking in obedience. He was doing the things that he knew he was supposed to do. In Jewish history, one of the commentaries that I read about this passage said that Simeon was one of the top Pharisees, potentially. This is the guy. And he had a son named Gamaliel, which whose name we find in Scripture in the book of Acts. And he was against Christianity. His son was against Christianity, and he helped to persecute the Christians. And here's a man who loved God and was excited to see the Messiah. And yet his own son, according to history, did not follow in his path. But that did not change him. The direction that his children, his child was going did not change the fact that he was devoted to the Lord, that he loved the Lord, and that he was excited to live a lifestyle that was in expectation of God fulfilling his promises. Uh, He was just and devout. He waited at the temple. He waited patiently. His waiting deepened his relationship with the Lord. It did not weaken it. It deepened it. It did not weaken it. Look at Philippians 2 and verse number 13. Philippians 2 and verse 13. Sometimes when we're waiting for the Lord, we are expecting God to do something Really, we're not waiting on the Lord. We're not really, we're not really building that relationship with God. It's really, we're just only doing it to get what we want. <laughs> we're only obedient because we're hoping God gives us what we want. And we should be strengthening our relationship with the Lord that whether he gives us what we want or not, we're still gonna love him. It doesn't matter if he gives us what we want. It doesn't matter if the blessing comes. It doesn't matter if the answer to prayer comes. It doesn't matter if the victory comes. We have chosen him. We've chosen the Lord. We have not chosen the blessing. And sometimes I think that we think that we're waiting for the right thing, but in reality, we've chosen what we want God to give us. We're not, we've not allowed God to change our heart. And we're going to see here in just a moment that Simeon waited for the right thing. He was devoted to the Lord, but also he allowed the Lord to supply the desire for his heart. He says, as I'm devoted to you and as I am following you, the Holy Spirit revealed to him, this is something that's going to happen. And then God encouraged him to follow that and wait for that. So Simeon waited for the right thing. Philippians 2 and verse number 13, this is such a great verse. It says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will 
and to do of his good pleasure. Allow the Lord to work in you to produce the desires, to produce the want to, and the motivation to pursue these desires. This is what it means to grow in grace. Grow in grace means when I first come to the Lord and I first start following the Lord, our desires can be pretty selfish. Not really the most amazing desires. They can be pretty pretty low. But as I follow the Lord and as I wait on the Lord and expect the Lord to do things in my life, and as I spend time with the Lord, he begins to modify my desires and make them more mature and change these desires. And that's what this verse is talking about where it's saying, it is God that worketh in you both to will. What does it mean when it says that he works in us to will? It means he works in us to want something. He, he, he helps to develop the right desires inside of us. When we first come to the Lord and we first start getting into church, we first get saved, our desires are not mature. They're very selfish. They're very immature. And honestly, they're very temporary. I really want this and I really want that. And I really want this. And I'm going to pray so hard and I'm going to fast and pray that God gives me the car that I really want or something like that, Right? But after a couple of years of with walking with the Lord, it's like, that's not really the most important thing in life. Yeah, God can do that. And if it's his will, he can help me get that car, I suppose, if it's his will. But then we begin to care more about things that are more eternal. God, I really want to see this person saved. I really want to see my child make this decision. I really want to see this happen here. And our desires began to be more Mature, As it says in the verse, it is God which worketh in you both to will. So he's developing the desire, but not just the desire, but also the action. Both to will and to do. And then it says this, of, uh, of his good pleasure. It's not of my good pleasure. I must not think that my relationship with the Lord is... I have this really big, powerful friend and he does things that I want him to do. He hooks me up, right? He gives me the things I really want in life. He's, he's not a genie that you rub the little lamp and he comes out and he gives you the wishes. No, right? That's the way lost people, that's the way false religions treat their gods and goddesses. They kind of live the life that they want and then when they really want something, all of a sudden they get in line and do all the rituals, right? And they even invent more rituals. And then they're hoping, 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 hoping to get what they want. And for the Christian, it's like, I'm not really hoping so much that God gives me what I want as much as I'm allowing God to change me so that he gets what he wants. And if God is changing my desires, that makes me happy too. It makes me happy. It's a sign of maturity for me to be excited that God gets what he wants and not that I get what I want. And we can see that with Simeon. He was excited for God. God, your son's finally here. Ha <laughs> ha, this is amazing. Good for you, God. You know, I mean, that's kind of his attitude, right? And what a sign of spiritual maturity. The second thing that we see, first, Simeon wanted the right thing. 
we're expecting God to do something, we need to make sure that it's what God wants. We're not, gonna, we're not going to know that's what God wants if we're not coming to him and saying, God, is this what you want? Develop the desire in my heart. Modify that desire. Change that desire if you want. We see that Simeon was encouraged by the Holy Spirit in his waiting. Luke chapter 2. And this goes right hand in hand with the point that we just talked about. Verse 26, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Um, I was sitting at the table uh, with the family this week and we were talking about uh, the Christmas story. And... um, April brought up like to the kids, like what's what part of the Christmas story is speaking to you? Something like that. And uh, just before that, I'd been kind of just thinking about everything that had been going on and just kind of thinking about, you know, is are, are we on the right path in life? Are we doing the right things? And and all these kinds of decisions that we're making and everything. And, uh, and as I heard the kids speak out about the Christmas story, I was amazed at how much they had understood about the Christmas story and how much that it was really personal to them. And it, it, was, it was such an incredible blessing for me to hear them. And that was a small moment where when I needed it, that God spoke to me and said, you're on the right path, you're doing the right thing. And it's so important that when we live a life of waiting on the Lord and living a life of faith, that we come to the Lord with our doubts about the decisions that we're making. And we come to the Lord with our feelings and with our plans. The Holy Spirit encouraged Simeon. Listen, how crazy would it be for Simeon to go and tell people, hey, I really believe that I'm going to see the Messiah before I die. If he hadn't gotten God's word on that, how can he be confident in that? It would almost be like this hope that he's just trying to tell himself And I think it's so important when we're talking about living a life of faith and making plans that we allow the Lord to encourage us and guide us in the direction that we're going. Do we see that from the passage? The last one is this. I love this part. Verse 36. There was one Anna a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. She was a widow of about four score and four years. That's 84. That's what that, that four score and four, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. 
And look at verse 38. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. The last thing about waiting for the Lord is we can see that there were two people that waited together. The waiters waited together. The waiters waited together. Here's Simeon and he's, he sees the Christ and he's holding him up and he's giving his little speech. Some people love making speeches, right? He's holding him up and he's giving a speech. And by the way, here is Mary and Joseph full of doubt about what's happening. And here's an older man and now an older woman that comes and they're full of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit is upon them. They love the Lord. They recognize when Jesus is in the life of someone else. And they're excited that Jesus is in the life of someone else. We need to be that kind of person. Christianity is not a competition. Christianity is not about me being a better Christian than you. It's not about me appearing more religious or more pure or more holy than somebody else. Holiness is for the Lord. And here is Simeon and Anna that didn't come up to them and say, you know who that is, you better. Let me tell you, boy, if you don't, you're really going to mess this up if you don't listen to me right now. We can be so mean sometimes and squash each other's faith. And Simeon just came up and he just said, I am so encouraged that Jesus is in your life, that God is working in your life and you have Jesus in your life. And Mary and Joseph were just listening. And then here comes somebody else and she's full of the Holy Spirit and she comes up. And by the way, uh, Life can get better as you age, not worse. That's a biblical principle. The world, what does the world say? Youth is the best time. It's idolized. Everybody creams and lotions and exercising and, and young and thin. I mean, you look at some of these actresses nowadays and they've come out with some amazing procedures. And it's just like, it's so hard to tell anymore how old somebody is. The more money you have, the more money you can spend to look as young as possible. I mean, if you're 70, you can look 50. If you're 50, you can look 30. If you have enough money to buy enough creams and to have enough surgeries. Right? But when it comes to, when it comes to Christianity... And following the Lord and waiting on the Lord, age alone, age alone is not the goal. But waiting on the Lord faithfully, year after year after year, gives you the incredible opportunity to live a rich and full life. What did Simeon do with all of this knowledge that he had? 
What did Anna do with all of this incredible knowledge that she had? Did she use it to control people? Did she use it to, I know this and you don't, ha, I'm better than you. They didn't have that attitude. They came up and they said, oh man, I am so happy for you. They used their knowledge to be a blessing to other people. They used their knowledge to encourage. They used their, they, they used their knowledge to, um, to please the Lord primarily. And it, Simeon had this incredibly rich spiritual life, but we see also there's this other lady. The waiters waited together. They waited on the Lord, but it says she instantly came over. Guys, you know what's amazing is when God's doing something in my life and I get to come to church and I get to share it with you and realizing that you're also walking with the Lord. You're also waiting on the Lord. We're all expecting God to do something individually. Maybe it's a private thing, but that spirit is there. That attitude is there. And it encourages us. It says in Galatians 5.13, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. By love serve one another. And let's remember when it comes to when it comes to waiting for the Lord, there is going to come a day when we're all going to see him face to face. It says in Revelation 22 and 3, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. So what did we learn from Simeon? The waiters waited together. Simeon was encouraged by the Holy Spirit in his waiting, and Simeon waited for the right thing. Let's bow.